Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Secret Library Podcast is brought to you in part by the Secret Library Patreon. Get monthly solo episodes custom Q&As on everything from your writing routine to Scrivener hack videos at patreon.com slash secret library. This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome again to season three, The Nourished Writer. My guest today is Sarah Van Bargen, the powerhouse behind yesandyes.org. She teaches people how to change their habits manage their money in a fun way, reach their goals, and spend a whole lot more time being happy. A former classroom teacher with an MA in applied linguistics, her knowledge of neural pathways, brain plasticity, and the impact of personal narrative gives her and her students superpowers. Since succeeding with money and habits are central to feeling nourished as a writer, I knew I wanted Sarah to come on. So I'm really, really happy to introduce... Sarah Van Bargen to the show. Hey, Sarah, thank you for coming on. I thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I wanted to have you on because we got to talk about money a little bit in the context <laughs> of being a nourished writer. Because mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, we're going to have to spend some money mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves. But we want to do yes. that in a healthy way and in a way yes. that supports us as creatives. Correct. Absolutely. So one of the things, and this might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but one of the things that I always have my clients and students starts with is getting incredibly clear about what actually makes you happy and what actually nourishes you. Because I think a lot of us um, engage in self-soothing behavior that is not actually soothing, that does not serve us in the long run, or we've sort of just like absorbed by osmosis. You know, either we saw someone in our life doing this, or we saw a parent doing it, or it's what everybody in every like rom-com does. Um, (laughs) And so we think like, okay, when things are rough, I will make a bubble bath. I personally, I get bored, I get wrinkly, I like get too hot and I feel like I'm gonna pass out. So for me, Bubble baths are not particularly self-carry, but it took me a minute to figure that out because if you, and again, this sounds sort of silly, but like, if you don't see anyone in your life engaging in a specific behavior, it can be really hard to come up with that idea on your own. Like I, another example is, um, All of my friends, and I'm sure in Germany, you can relate to this. All my friends love to ride their bikes to breweries. Um, Ah. I I, I don't like beer. Um, And the the biking system in the U.S. is not what it is in Germany. And so, like, I find it stressful to ride my bike on the street 
in a group and I hate beer, but I would ride my bikes to breweries with all my friends because they all loved it. And it took me a minute to be like, no, I literally do not enjoy this. It, I don't enjoy it. It kind of stresses me out and I'm going to go ahead and stop doing this. So I think it all starts with like getting enough, acknowledging to yourself, like I need to really look at this and, and getting really clear on what actually nourishes you because it, it might not be the stuff that you're doing and it might not be the stuff that you see people around you doing. Definitely. Well, I totally relate to that because I can't have gluten. So breweries are like useless for me. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure also like the trite cliche of like, let's go to a bakery. Oh, let's eat our feelings with cake and cookies. And you're like, I literally can't like that makes me feel worse. Yep. Yeah. I love them. They don't love me. So yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Granted, we we do have some, so it's, but it is, it's different. And I think when you take a minute to check in and say, is this actually enjoyable? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's also totally possible that a thing that you did to nourish yourself when you were a teenager, when you were in college, before you had kids, before you got married, it worked then, but it doesn't work now because your life is different, because the world is different. Maybe even because like the reality of your health has changed. And so that thing doesn't work for you anymore, but you've dug that neural pathway. You've developed that habit that when I feel X, I do Y. And it can be really hard to step back and realize like, I don't actually like going out for drinks anymore. Or like my attention span is such that after 45 minutes, I'm not really paying attention to this movie anymore. I'm kind of bored and flustered. So, I mean, I think it it can be really hard. There's a reason that you did that stuff. It served you for a certain period in your life. And it's okay if it's not serving you anymore, but you're not going to figure that out unless you kind of take the time to really think about it. So how have you taken these things apart? What what are the steps that you've taken to assess what's not working? And then how did you find things that worked better than bubble baths and brewery bike rides? <laughs> yeah, well, I would say one thing, um, I will send you a link to put in your show notes. I have a free workbook called How to Figure Out What Makes You Happy. Um, which Handy. is exactly, yeah, which anybody can download for free. Um, so one of the first exercises that I have people go through is to list the things, the people who you're closest to that you spend the most time with. So your closest friends, maybe your partner, um, siblings, parents, coworkers, list the things that, that they seem to do that fill them up, that nourish them. And after you do that, and, and and actually like list them, like write them down with, with your hand. Um, and then like take a minute and, you know, maybe walk around the block or something and then come back to that list and physically cross out all the things that you see people doing around you that if you're honest with yourself, don't, are not it for you. Um, because I think just doing that can be incredibly clarifying just like physically crossing out and acknowledging like, like my husband is a, is a pretty serious cyclist. Oh my gosh. He loves so riding. Mine. Oh my gosh. I don't like it at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, like I like to ride my like cruiser, like slowly a- along a flat paved path. Great. I don't want clipping anything. Oh God. I you scare me. No. Oh my God. You, I'm going to fall off my bike, like attached yes. to my bike. Yes. What do you do with the stop sign? I don't understand. My face. Yes. 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 Um, 
And like, thankfully I was older when Kenny and I met, but if I would have met him when I was in my twenties, I legit would have been like, Oh yeah, I like cycling too. And like tried to convince myself that I was into it. Um, so I think I did, I, I ended up thinking I wanted to do AIDS ride. And on the first training ride, I stopped on the side of this huge incline outside LA and cried. And and the only reason we didn't do it was because we had a couple we were going to do it with. One of them injured his neck and she got pregnant. And so I was able to say, you know what? I'm actually kind of relieved. Yes. Yes. But again, like it takes some work to be honest with yourself. I don't actually like this to work up the gumption, especially if this is something that other people in your life are doing to be like, I don't, I don't like this. This is not for me. So that's the first exercise is listing out the things that people in your life that seem to nourish them and being honest with yourself. Like, no, actually I don't like that. Um, I think a really, really good place to start is what did you like? What made you happy and what nourished you in like third grade? Like back before you were worried about like, is this cool? Is this monetizable? Can I somehow turn this into a side hustle? Will this get me into into a good college? Does this look good on my resume? When you just did stuff because it was fun. Honestly, I mean, like, I still like that stuff. I, and there's an adult version of all of that. Oh, yeah. Like dancing around in your room and like choreographing songs to Bon Jovi. Like you can take a Zumba class. You can like watch YouTube dance tutorials. You know, like, you know, writing movies with your neighbor, like that's what a YouTube channel is for. Like all of that stuff that you used to like before you were worried if it was cool or not, you probably honestly still like it in some version if you're honest with yourself. Totally. And I will tell you that the stickers that are out there now are even better than the stickers you had in that grade. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yes. Very into stickers. I love stickers. I love tiny things. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, I have, I literally have um, a shelf in my closet. That's just tiny things. Um, (laughs) But this, like it, it, I don't know anyone in my life who, who likes tiny things. And I was like 38 when I was like, I think I like tiny things. That's weird. (laughs) What's that about? What do I do with that? Uh, you make a shelf in your closet full of tiny things. Um, so number one, list everything that everybody likes, cross out what you don't like. Um, number two, remember what you liked when you were a kid. Number three, literally notice when you feel calm, when you feel happy, when you feel nourished, notice it and make note of it somewhere and just keep an ongoing list. Um, this is a podcast, so you guys can't see it, but I literally have next to my desk, I have a list that I, so I can see it all the time called things that make me happy. And it's a bullet pointed list. So when I'm feeling demoralized about life, I can literally look at it and be like, okay, I'm going to go do one of those things now. Yeah. And so like, I, I just keep a, uh, in my notes app in my phone. And when I'm having a moment where I'm like, God, this is great. Life is great. I feel wonderful. I look around and I try to figure out what's going on here. Like, am I, you know, is the weather great and I'm out in nature? Or I just had like a really interesting conversation with a friend. Or I ate a really beautiful meal in a beautiful space. Or I read a book by a new author. Like, what is going on that's making me feel this way? And then just make note of it. Because once you figure that stuff out, it's much easier to like systematically add back into your life. Yes. 
I think also, yeah, just having it accessible and being able to do this and even making a regular date where you do something from that list so that you regularly have this going on. Yes. Okay. So if we're going to be incredibly nerdy, I am now going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I set up my Google calendar to make sure that I prioritize nourishment and happiness in my life. So I am, I'm a Virgo. I'm a type A. I'm an Enneagram one. You could just imagine what my brain is like. Wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) People are like, how are you so productive? And I'm like, it's just the software that came installed. Like, you know, Um, but so on Sunday night, I look at my Google calendar and I lit like it's empty and I systematically add things to my Google calendar that I know will make me happy before I put anything else, before I schedule meetings, before I take on coaching clients, before I like fill up my schedule with like, write this thing on Instagram. I, it's like that metaphor about like, it's a vase and you put in the big rocks and then Mm -hmm. you add the sand. Is so like, I literally schedule happy making things into my calendar for real nerdy. I make the, I make the happy things green. Oh, nice. That means like, oh, and after I do that, then I schedule in um, like appointments, things that involve other people. And then I schedule in um, like the, the work that's just me. Um, and, it, and the work that involves other people is yellow and sort of the self work is um, the self-appointed work is purple. So I can glance at my Google calendar and if it's all purple, I realize like, well, I'm going to end up burnt out. I'm going to end mm. up burnt out and resentful and I'm going to end up using a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms. So I need to add some green. I I can glance at it and I, I don't want to have like three yellows stacked on top of each other. Cause I know I'm going to get exhausted. Um, so, and I prioritize, especially in our current situation, like it is so, so important to make for sure that you're doing that nourishing stuff because life is really hard right now. And if all you do is stay at home and bicker with the people that you live with and never see anybody else and never go outside and never like do the things that we can do reasonably safely, it's going to be so hard to write your book, to pitch your book, to deal with the inevitable rejection that comes with being a creative. So you have to prioritize that, that happy making, nourishing, fun stuff. Otherwise nobody's going to prioritize it for you. Nobody's going to say like, Hey, I've noticed that you're feeling run down. I made you an appointment for a massage. So, I mean, (laughs) I mean, maybe like if you have an amazing partner, they'll do that once, but generally speaking, self-care and nourishment, like you're the only person who can put that in your calendar. It's true. It's really true. Yeah. I also like, I don't know if you've done this at all, but when I have a big project and I'm trying to break it down, I like to mm-hmm. u- utilize this kind of list as carrot in the stick kind of methods. Ooh, like I, I get to go to the museum after I submit the proposal or yes, Ooh, yes, that is, oh. that is very smart. I also enjoy, um, I think it was Victoria Schwab I first saw do this, but I was like, and of course I have taken it to a new level of nerdery, but she had just a plain paper calendar and had stickers. And when she hit her word count for the day, she got to put a sticker on the calendar. Oh, yes. Um, One of the things that I do, I don't know. Did you take my bank boost course? Yeah. 
Um, so were you in it when we did the uncomfortable thing chart? I think so. So yes. one of the things, so it applies to money. It applies to anything. It certainly applies to writing. Yep. One of the things that I really try to teach people is to track your efforts, not your outcomes. Because especially in writing, as we all know, there's going to be a million rejections. There's going to be a million emails that don't get returned. And it's very easy to get down on yourself. And it's very easy to feel like you're not moving forward. And if you only celebrate getting published, if you only celebrate getting the book deal, those celebrations are going to be few and far between. Oh, yeah. So in my Bank Boost course, which is a course about money, but this concept can apply to anything, we talk about how um, you, the, your, your ability to be uncomfortable and your ability to succeed overlap. Yes. <laughs> um, and so we have a sticker chart that's called 20 Uncomfortable Things, and I try to encourage everybody and again, in, in within this realm, it's about money, but it could be about writing. During Bank Boost, I encourage people to do 20 uncomfortable things that are going to add more money to their bank account. And you get to put a sticker on that chart for every uncomfortable thing. It doesn't matter if the thing brought you more money. It doesn't matter if the email didn't get returned. You get to put a sticker on the chart. Like you tried to ask for a raise and they ignored you. You still get to put a sticker on the chart. You pitched a new client, they ignored you. You put a sticker on the chart. You tried to negotiate that bill down, they wouldn't let you. You get to put a sticker on the chart. So I think that kind of stuff, like tracking tracking your efforts, not your outcomes, can be super helpful and super applicable within the writing realm and maintaining motivation and giving yourself credit and celebrating how hard you're working. Because usually, what happens in any creative endeavor is. You work really, really hard without recognition for a really long time. Uh, and then you, you know, like you work five years and nobody knows who you are. And then you have a book come out. And people are like, wow, where'd they come from? And you're like, oh my God, I've been doing this for so, I've been doing this for 60 hours a week for five years. And so if you only celebrate when that book comes out, like it's going to be real hard to like keep going. Oh yeah. You're going to be exhausted. Like you yeah. have to feel and your creative self. I mean, I always think that this, this part of you that's, you know, in third grade, I feel like that's, who's driving the creative bus. It yeah. is not who, whatever age you are now, who's mm -hmm. like, I write always in blue ink. and I use this? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's yeah. not, that's not who's driving the creative process. It's the mm -hmm. third grader who yeah. wants to wear some leg warmers and watch, you know, dance yes. videos. Yes. So I find that if you come up with rewards mm -hmm. and excitement that are engaging for them, mm -hmm. that is what causes you to continue making the creative effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it's all about making for sure that you're rewarding yourself, that you're taking care of yourself. And I know, especially what I've seen in my clients and students, especially for women, especially for like nice women who try hard, um, it can feel like prioritizing self-care, wanting to be happy, wanting to take care of ourselves can feel foolish. It can feel silly. It can feel self-indulgent, especially now. But I mean, we've all heard the metaphor you know, put on your oxygen mask first. You can't pour from an empty cup. Like it's, it's literally, it's true though. And you will be more productive in the long run when you take care of yourself. So if you are listening to this and you are a super type A who can't, who feels <laughs> like 
who feels like, oh, I don't deserve to take time off because I'm not done, or I I have to finish this giant project before I'm quote unquote allowed to like go away for the weekend. Like it, it is truly in your best interest in terms of productivity. It is truly in your best interest to take those breaks. This is backed by science, sociology, psychology, neuro neurology, like they all support this, that taking regular breaks, taking your vacation time, walking around the block, all of those make you more productive in the long run. And I know it can be hard. Like I literally have to, if I am, if I'm very busy and I've scheduled something fun into my calendar, I know myself well enough to know that I'm going to create excuses about why I can't do that thing. I will literally post on Instagram stories and say, today I'm going to the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum because if I post on Instagram stories, now I quote unquote have to go to the Minnesota Landscape <laughs> Arboretum because if I if I don't create that owner accountability, I won't do it because I will be quote unquote too busy. But what that actually means is I'm going to burn myself out and then I'm not going to work all Friday. I'm going to be like exhausted. I'm going to sleep poorly. I'm going to sleep in. So again, it's in my best interest to take those breaks. That's really funny that you get the, the Instagram story hack. Yes. Yeah. If you, um, if anybody listening is familiar with Gretchen Rubin's, um, four yep. tendencies, which is the personality framework, um, it's about how people like meet expectations and the vast majority of humans are what she calls obligers. And those are people who need outer accountability to, to meet their goals. And I'm actually an upholder, which is somebody who can generally mm -hmm. like meet goals they set for themselves. But Weirdly, when it comes to self-care, a lot of the times I have to make an appointment, I have to prepay, I have to make a reservation, I have to like invite a friend because if it's just me, I will be like, oh, I should really write some more, write and schedule some more Instagram captions. Oh, you know, like I could, I sure I'm, I want, I said I was going to go to the Rose Garden and read my novel, but what if instead <laughs> I updated some old blog posts? Right. That's going to be just as relaxing and fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, but what if, but then if I'm drinking like a sparkling water, that's a treat. It's not the same. No, not the same. That's no. interesting. I've never thought of myself like, cause I'm a questioner. Ooh. And so I've never thought of my sort of self-care nourishment persona. And if that's different. Ooh. Yeah. Like I would imagine some questioners might be like, well, why would I do that? Like, what is the point? Or is it really going to work? You know, like what is <laughs> like, what are the statistics behind like massages being an effective way to relax? Yeah. The interesting thing is once I'm on board with it, I will do it. It is no problem. Yeah. No yeah. problem at all. But it sometimes takes a while or it just has to be done in a system that I agree with. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. But I'm like, if this is the right way, I don't know. I wonder, I, I like it. Because I too will use the Instagram hack mm. of like, oh, I'm going to go do blah, blah, blah. Because then it's like, you're going to look stupid if you say oh, you're yeah. going to do that and then you don't yes. do it. Yes, for sure. I will literally be like, well, I have to go because I told them and now I need to take nice photos of flowers because <laughs> I told them I was going to go. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not going to pull photo flowers of the Arboretum off the internet so yeah, that I nope, can not go. Real. It has to be yeah. real. You can't fake mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So I'm interested going back to your color coded calendar because I can't resist a color coded calendar. Oh, yeah. It's very period. Mm -hmm. 
How, what category are you putting writing in? Because I know you do lots of different types of writing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, and this is probably different than a lot of your listeners. So like I got my start writing, um, at a newspaper and, um, doing PR and ad agency. And like, I always liked writing and like, I was good at it and I would write little stories, you know, since I was a kid. Um, but in my mind, writing is like, this is my professional skill set. Some people code websites, some people hang drywall, some people make pastries. I'm a writer. And so I, I don't particularly like romanticize the writing process. I don't particularly, I, I don't quote unquote believe in writer's block. It's just, I'm just like, it's a skill set. Nobody gets like drywall hanging block. Like you just do mm-hmm. it. Um, and so for me, writing is purple. It's a, like, it's a, it's a, it's a professional activity that I do to move my business forward. Um, I imagine that if I was writing fiction just for fun, that would definitely be a green, but mm-hmm. 90% of the writing that I do now is, um, like this, I'm writing a sales page for my new course. I'm writing the content for my course. Um, and so currently my creative outlet that is totally for fun are my Instagram stories. Like that's mm. much more like, Ooh, like here's what I got at my CSA and here's what I'm going to make from it. Or like, here's a cute photo of my dog. Um, so for me, for better, or for worse, writing is very much like, and I enjoy it, mm-hmm. but it's very much like a, this is a professional thing that I do for my business and, and my career. What do you find you need for fuel for it? Is it, is there a sense that you have to consume things in order to have something to give back out? Cause I find that oh, when I'm uh, writing a lot, I've got to consume in particular, I've got to read a lot of novels in order to be able oh, to write fiction. Oh gosh. Well, I'm sure if I was writing fiction, I would do that, but I actually have to be very conscious about not over consuming ah. because I my tendency is to like hide in consumption uh-huh. or like the belief of like, like I need to research more before I can do this. Oh yeah. Classic. Or like, yes. And so like, I actually try really hard to have my consumption be about equal to my output Got because it. otherwise it's very easy for me to be like, I need to consume seven hours of podcasts on this topic before I do like 20 <laughs> minutes of work. And that's not, no, <laughs> like that's yeah. not productive. And I feel like it's low key self-sabotage, like socially sanctioned self-sabotage that people engage in, but nobody like is like, you don't, you don't actually need to do that. Well, that brings up an interesting point. One that we were chatting about before we started recording, which is this line between nourishment and self-care and numbing out, which I think is an important one to consider when we're talking about nourishing ourselves and being nourished enough to continue working on what we want to work on. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think that like the line between nourishment and numbing is subjective and it's different for everybody. And it's also probably different for us from day to day. Certainly the amount of nourishment we need in a global pandemic is different than what it is <laughs> normally. Um, but I think it's very, very easy. Something that I see a lot of people doing and something that I have worked really hard to overcome myself is like putting behavior that's honestly not super healthy under the umbrella of self-care. Yep. Um, like, like we were discussing, like six hours of Netflix is not nourishment. 
like one hour, two hours. Yes. But like there is a point of diminishing returns and that is for everything. Like buying a sweater that you truly love, that makes you feel amazing, that you're going to wear all the time, that feels so cozy, nourishing, spending like thousands of dollars that you can't afford on fast fashion that you can't even like in the States, you currently like can't try on clothes in stores because of COVID like that. That's not nourishing. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, drinking drugs, food, sex, like all of the, all of the like self-soothing behaviors that we have there, there reaches a point of diminishing returns where it's no longer making you feel good. It's just helping you like escape in a not super sustainable or healthy way. So how do you kind of parse the difference between them? Mm-hmm. Like if you're in the moment, cause it's, it's, I think it's easier to tell if you enjoy something or you don't enjoy something that sort of to yeah. me is like layer one. Like I yeah. personally, mine was like my big breakthrough moment. I think probably inspired by you saying this was, I just don't like hiking. I don't like it. <laughs> And I have all these friends who always want to go hiking. And I finally was able to say, I don't want to do that. I don't like it. I get a little vertigo. I feel like I'm going to fall. I just don't like it. I'll go for a walk. I like a walk, but don't take me up a cliff where there's a drop off and I feel like I'm going to fall and die. No, that's valid. Yes. Um, Well, I think to me, it ceases to be nourishment when it is completely mindless. Like when you realize like this is completely like autopilot. Like I, a story I probably maybe you've heard me tell this story, but so my, uh, one of my coping mechanisms is eating, um, pasta with cheese. Um, uh, who doesn't really? Yeah. It's delicious. So much so that my roommate in grad school would call it depression pasta because she would, <laughs> she would see like the bowl that clearly had had noodles and Parmesan in it, and she would like come into my room and be like, are you okay? Like holding the bowl. Um, and there was, uh, I was, I had a pretty toxic friendship with a specific woman. I'd been trying to like avoid her and I ended up spending like two hours with her one-on-one and I got home and I sort of like came to having realized that I had just eaten three giant bowls of pasta with cheese. And so like, there's a big difference between like, sort of like coming to your senses and realizing, you know, and the Netflix thing says like, are you still watching? Yes. Or like, you know, or like when you realize like, oh my God, I have like a cramp in my thumb from scrolling Instagram or like I somehow ate this whole box of spaghetti because I hung out with this woman who spent the entire time bitching about her husband. So like when you realize like this behavior is now on autopilot, like yeah. what is the plot in this Netflix? Like, oh, the entire bag of pizza rolls is gone. The whole, like the, the I have found the bottom of the bottle of vodka or like- right. I'm like eight, eight text strings deep with my terrible ex. Like when you realize that like, Oh God, like how did I even get here? Like that's, that's when you realize you've crossed over into, into numbing instead of nourishment. Definitely. And I think it's, it's, it's a tricky thing because I find that one of the ways that I can keep things that have a risk of becoming numbing is to kind of control them as rewards for mm-hmm. some sort of activity I want to do. 
So like, <laughs> okay, I've written, I've gotten to the end of act one of my book. Therefore yeah. I can do this. I can, you know, get the sweater or, you know, have the pasta. And then mm -hmm. it's sort of infused with more meaning as a result. Mm. Yeah. And it can be, and especially with like food stuff, which I, I'm certainly not an expert on that. I don't want to say anything triggery because that is incredibly complex. And I, and I think it can be really unhealthy to like assign food a moral value. Um, but I think one of the things that I do is when there's something that I know, like I, I like to do this thing. I like to consume this thing, but I know that if I consume too much of it, it becomes a problem. I try to create a, like some sort of hurdle between me and that thing. So if I'm accessing it or consuming it, it's on purpose, you know? So like, I will like Instagram is on my desktop. So like, I ha I'm not gonna be mindlessly using it on my phone. I have to be like, oh, you know, I really, I am making a choice to open my laptop, to go to Instagram because I really want to look at it. Or like, I am going to, I really want a bottle of red, we don't have, we don't have any in the house. I have to walk to the liquor store, put on my mask and then buy it. So I try to, or, uh, for people who struggle with spending, I always say, don't, don't save your credit card number in your computer. Mm -hmm. So, because you would be amazed if you have to stand up and go dig your, um, credit card out of your wallet, how many purchases that will prevent. Yeah. It's it is gonna, amazing. Yeah, Actually. it's going to force you. Yeah, it's going to force you to like hopefully buy things that you're really excited about. And and this is not I mean, certainly sometimes I get sick of myself and like my healthy coping mechanisms. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with buying, buying some new nail polish, having some pizza, having a few cocktails like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's just important to acknowledge when things are numbing instead of nourishing and, and try to orient yourself towards more nourishing rather than less. Definitely. I think the other thing is, is that for me, if I'm organizing them as a reward or a treat as a result of having done the thing that I want to do, then I'm less likely to use them as a numbing mechanism for yeah. not having done the thing that I want to do. Yeah. Because it would yes. be easy to be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't write today. I didn't organize myself today. Oh, now I'm just going to watch a bunch of Netflix because I'm mad and I feel frustrated with yes. myself rather yes. than I'm only going to watch Netflix. If I get my writing done, then yeah. I'm excited about it. And I enjoy yeah. the Netflix because yeah. I did both. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is I try when I'm in, when I'm doing this stuff, like how can I do it in like a really kind of high quality way? Like, I'm watching Netflix on the actual television. I don't have my phone next to me. Maybe I have a cup of tea and wearing my comfy pants. You know, it's not this thing where like the laptop's on the coffee table. You're also on your phone and you know, like you're half distracted. Like it's really like, what is the best case scenario of this experience? Or like, I really want to buy that sweater. If you're in a place where you can go to boutiques and look at things and, and like, have a nice like 
walk around the cute neighborhood with all the boutiques, look in the various boutiques, feel everything, try it on, chat with the salesperson. Like that's a much nicer experience than like, you know, buying some stuff off of Amazon that you're not even really paying attention to. Yep. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, I think it really helps because I think your creative self is also going to be happier with high quality experiences. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Junk food experiences. A hundred percent. Like it just feels like if you just imagine that scenario of going to the cute neighborhood and window shopping, maybe you get like a nice coffee, you make an afternoon of it. You're with your friend. You're talking about, Ooh, that's cute. Oh, I love that window display. You look at a bunch of stuff. You smell all the candles. You put on like the lotion samples, That is so much more interesting. It's a great sensory experience. You're seeing new stuff. You're having this lovely time. That is, there's so much more to draw on for for your brain, for your creativity, for a scene you want to write than like, oh, this thing is on sale from ASOS. Bloop. And then it comes in a box to your house. (laughs) Definitely. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing I keep thinking about in terms of, of, self-care and high quality is that there is this impulse I had, and this is something that happened when we moved to Germany, which I've talked about with people a little bit, but it was like, we had all this stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of it I had bought saving it for a special occasion. Ooh, and yeah. then we moved and got rid of 90% of our stuff. And guess what? <laughs> I never used it. Yeah. So I think a self-care thing can also be looking for those things you've been saving or you keep hidden away for a special occasion and make this the special occasion. Yes. I think about all the time. So there is a Seinfeld episode about (laughs) his, his T this is yellow t-shirt and he calls it like golden boy. And it's like his favorite t-shirt and he loves it. And it's like starting to wear out. And like Kramer says to him something like, well, why don't you like start washing it on like delicate or like, why don't you get it dry cleaned or something? So like its life will last longer. And Jerry's like, no, like he, like he wants to play every game. Like he wants to be proud of the choices. Like, and it sounds silly, but I think about like, if we were going to like assign a personality to like that candle, that lingerie, those dishes, like they want to be used. Like they don't want to come out once a year. They want to be used like the Velveteen Rabbit, you know, like it wants to be used. And like, if I break that nice china, you know, during a dinner party, like it died doing what it loved, you know? Right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Let it, let it go out in the, in the line of duty. I mean, I. Yes, truly. I had this, this, um, challenge that I started with people when we did the, the quarantine writers retreat, like the IG lives, it was, um, hashtag fancy notebook challenge. Cause you know, you buy that notebook. Oh my God. Yes. And you're like, I'm going to save this for when I'm going to write something really amazing and brilliant. And then you get it out and you're like, I have no good ideas. My ideas are all shit. And I'm like, save it for your good ideas. For when I have nice handwriting, you know, after I've done all those YouTube tutorials on good handwriting. No, no. Get that notebook out now and get on it. And if you post it, you can tag it fancy notebook challenge. Cause we yes. would all love to see it. Absolutely. And also like if there was ever a time to use up your nice stuff, it's when you're trapped at home during a global pandemic. Oh my Correct. God. Let, <laughs> let yourself have nice things. Yeah. Drink the fancy tea. Yes. 
You know, wear the cozy stuff, wear the good stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, wear the fancy lingerie, you know, all yes. that stuff. Get it out. Yeah. Use it. Yes. Yes. Especially for those of us who are in the U.S., like there are so few things available to us. You know, we're not really supposed to be going to restaurants. Nobody, you're not really supposed to be doing like massages, pedicures, like you know, you really shouldn't be going on vacations to hotels and hanging out in the pool. Like all of these things that we were used to doing that made us feel good are not really available to us in a safe way. So, oh my gosh, use the nice things that are already in your home. Yes. Yes. I think that, I also think that the, your creative self had this little spark of wanting yes. these things when you oh got my gosh. them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Trust your former self to and also, like, if you think about, you know, your 22-year-old self who bought that special notebook in Thailand, she would probably be pretty bummed out if you've just been sitting on it for 15 years. Like, she would probably be like, oh, my gosh, this is who you are now. You hoard notebooks. Like, like do your <laughs> – like, like, love yourself enough to use the good notebook. Yeah. Yeah, I think your creativity wants you to trust yourself and to trust yes. your impulses. Absolutely. And it's also, it's only a wasted purchase if you don't use it. Uh, for sure. Like from a money perspective, the, uh, what is it called? Um, like cost per use. Yes. Like it, it goes down. Like if you buy a 200 pair of $200 pair of jeans and you wear them for four years, they are very cheap. If you buy a $20 pair of jeans and you wear them once, they are very expensive. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good, a good point is to just look at pretty much everything you're doing and everything you're using and saying, you know, how much am I enjoying this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing feel it, um, yes. fueling me. Uh, one of the things that I think, at least for me and my personality type, something that brings me the most joy is upgrading the tiny things that I use every day. So like I recently, Oh my gosh, I got, um, I got a really cute dustpan and Ooh. dust brush. Yes, like a beautiful like black metal dustpan and like a wooden handled like boar bristle thing with like, you know, a wholesome like yarn little thing yeah. that you hang. It looks all picturesque. Um, all of my, the stuff that I store my coffee in, the tiny spoons that are in the coffee. And a lot of times I try to buy that stuff. Like if I'm traveling, I will go to antique stores and buy those things because even though it's not like technically a souvenir, like these things, it's not like they're stamped saying like, this is from Crossview, Minnesota. But every time I use it, I think of this trip that I had and it makes like the entire process of, you know, cleaning the basement stairs or making coffee or whatever, it makes it more pleasant and if you can just have those tiny little slices in your day of like, or like you use the teacup and saucer of your beautiful China set that your grandma gave you, if you use that every day, that feels so much nicer than like the stupid promotional coffee mug from your marathon. Oh yeah. Forget that one. No yes. Oh, they're never cute. They're they never cute. Terrible design. Terrible design. Yes. Yeah. Swag conference yes. stuff. No, just no. I don't even, um, side note, one of my favorite things is not taking swag bags. It makes me uh, feel so like I reject your clutter. And it makes me also feel very baller. Like I'm so cool. I don't need your free stuff. That's such a questioner approach. Ooh. Well, I'm also I've decided like a total it's not necessary. Yeah. I also love to walk out of movies. <laughs> so I don't know what 
It feels so, I love to walk out of movies. I love to not finish books and I love to refuse free things. All of it, it all feels incredibly empowering and sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what would be the word. Like very like I do what I want, but in an incredibly low key way, like, <laughs> like very rebellious in a way that doesn't involve anyone else. Yep. I think this is great though, because this is all of this stuff. I mean, all of the things that we've been talking about, you may be listening, wondering like, what does this have to do with my writing? But it, it means that you are showing your creative self that you're in charge and that yes. it's safe for them to come out and that you've got things yes. handled. Yes. And that you're saying to your creative self, like this movie is not a good use of our time. Like let's go home and work on the novel. I love myself enough to know that my time and space and energy is valuable and that these things aren't. Yep. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so, so much for coming on and talking about all this. This was so fun. Always so fun to talk to you. And thank you so, so much. It was a treat. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.